0: Saturday, September the 18th. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, France recalls ambassadors over AUKUS and FDA panel rejects boosters for most. First, the week in brief. France recalled its ambassadors to America and Australia in protest over AUKUS, a security pact announced this week. As part of the deal, which also includes Britain, America will supply Australia with nuclear submarines. That has enraged France, since it displaces a French contract with Australia for conventional submarines. The pact reflects the three countries' interest in containing China's growing naval power, an advisory panel to America's Food and Drug Administration recommended against giving booster shots of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine to most over-16s. The vote, 16-2, to by independent scientists, was a setback for the Biden administration, which pledged to start offering third shots next week to most people, despite evidence that the two-jab regimen remains effective but the panel unanimously endorsed boosters for over 65s and immunocompromised people. The Pentagon admitted that an American drone strike in Afghanistan on August 29th killed 10 civilians, including 7 children, in a quote, tragic mistake. Initially, officials claimed that the strike averted an attack by an offshoot of Islamic State, which days before had murdered dozens of people at Kabul's airport. But no one who died in the strike had terrorist connections. In fact, the target worked for an American aid organisation. Abdelaziz Bouteflika, the autocratic president of Algeria for 20 years, died at the age of 84. He had been forced to resign office by a protest movement in 2019, six years after being debilitated by a stroke. As a young man, Mr. Bouteflika had fought for his country's independence from France and cut a dash as foreign minister in the 1960s and 70s. America and the EU pledged to cut methane emissions by at least 30% below 2020 levels by 2030. Although less prevalent than carbon dioxide, methane is the more potent greenhouse gas. Separately, The UN warned that under countries' current pledges, global greenhouse gas emissions in 2030 will have risen by 16% from 2010 levels. A reduction of 45% is needed to avert the worst effects of climate change. Senior officials at an annual meeting of American and Australian ministers vowed to quote, strengthen ties with Taiwan, further stoking tensions in the region. The island, which China claims as part of its territory, announced this week that it would increase annual defence spending by almost $9 billion. China's President Xi Jinping said his country would resist, quote, interference from external forces. A court of appeal in England and Wales overturned a lower court ruling that said doctors may need to consult a judge before prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to transgender minors. Under-16s are capable of consenting to such treatment, and clinicians of securing their consent without judicial review, the court said. It was a whim for the Tavistock Trust, England's only youth gender identity clinic. And word of the week. Zekundsverkeit. noun a German word meaning the ability to face the future. This ought to preoccupy Germany's next government, which will form after Angela Merkel stands down as Chancellor on Monday. And now, here's today's agenda. Hidden figure. A pioneering black British artist. On Friday... Somewhere Between There and Here by Rita Keegan, opened at the South London Gallery. Miss Keegan's first solo exhibition in more than 15 years explores the way memory and power are shaped by how and which things are recorded. This theme is central to her work. She was a key figure in the radical British black arts movement which worked to challenge the marginalisation of black artists in the 1980s. Miss Keegan has been meticulous about preserving documents from this era, and much of her personal archive has previously been displayed. It's very easy to be written out of history if you don't have those pieces of paper, she previously told the art newspaper. Somewhere between there and here draws on her collections and weaves photographic ephemera with painting and other media. She is also set to feature in the Royal Academy of Arts Summer Exhibition, the world's oldest and biggest open submission art competition, which opens on Wednesday. Pirates of the Mediterranean Turkish TV Turkish television, though virtually unknown in the English-speaking world, has taken the rest by storm. It is popular in Russia, East Asia and Latin America, generating some $500 million in foreign sales each year. As in Hollywood, the industry tries to keep up with the prevailing political mood. Turkey's government, headed by President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has grown more hawkish in its foreign policy in recent years, punctuated by army offences in Syria and Libya, and a standoff with Greece in the Mediterranean. Producers have gone crazy for all things military and Ottoman as a result. Earlier soap operas featured star-crossed lovers and family drama. These days, series increasingly feature Turkish commandos, Ottoman warriors, scheming European princes and large budgets. Turkey's latest offering, produced by its state television channel, is Barbarossa, Sword of the Mediterranean. The story of the pirate-turned-admiral who gave the Ottomans control over the sea in the 16th century. The series premiered this week. Mr. Erdogan, himself an accomplished rattler of sabres, is likely to approve. Wonga Hits Willow The Indian Premier League This time you are also playing for humanity declared Himang Amin, the interim boss of the Board of Control for Cricket India. His unlikely message, delivered as India was engulfed in a deadly second COVID-19 wave in April, was for players participating in the Indian Premier League, cricket's most lucrative franchise. Humanity aside, there was also the small matter of more than $540 million the event was expected to pull in but the tournament was suspended in May after some players contracted the virus. It resumes in the United Arab Emirates on Sunday. Such is the IPL's clout that players ditch their national teams to play in it, prompting countries to plan their calendars around the event. This time, however, some cricketers have pulled out, citing personal reasons or to prepare for the T20 World Cup in October. Even without them, millions of Indian cricket fans will be glued to their TV sets. Fossil Findings New Zealand's Giant Penguin In 2006, a group of fossil-hunting schoolchildren found a curious specimen in Carfea Harbour on the west coast of New Zealand's North Island. This week, it was confirmed to be a new species, that of a prehistoric penguin that is believed to have stood roughly as tall as a person. Scientists from Massey University compared 3D scans of fossilised bones found by the children with other scans of penguin fossils. They noticed it had unusually long legs compared with other Kairuku penguins from the same region and time period around 30 million years ago and dubbed it Waiwira after the T. Ryo Maori words for, quote, long legs. As one of the most complete fossilised giant penguins on record, Kairuku Waiwera will help scientists track the animal's evolution, as well as offer clues about a time when much of the area was underwater. It also adds to New Zealand's reputation as a home for enormous, now extinct, birds, including a giant parrot and an eagle with a three-metre, 10-foot wingspan. Saturday Profile Erin O'Toole Canada's would-be Prime Minister As a young man, fired up by the film Top Gun, Erin O'Toole enrolled in Canada's Royal Military College in the hope of becoming a fighter pilot. He ultimately became a navigator on a quote Old Antiqued Helicopter Rather than Maverick, the aviator portrayed by Tom Cruise, Mr O'Toole jokes that he wound up as Goose, the radar intercept officer. Now he hopes that his modesty and military background will help him to unseat Justin Trudeau, Canada's glamorous Liberal Party Prime Minister, in the parliamentary election on Monday. The country needs a quote, handyman, not a quote, poster boy, he has said. After 12 years in the Air Force, Mr. O'Toole became a lawyer and then MP for Durham, an area of Ontario that his father represented as a provincial legislator. He has led Canada's Conservative Party since August 2020. He appears in a form-fitting t-shirt ready for action on the cover of the party's manifesto which touts him as quote, the man with the plan. That plan Hastily improvised to fight a snap election is to reassure Canadians that, although his personality is nothing like that of the entitled, sanctimonious Mr. Trudeau, the son of a former Prime Minister, his policies are not all that different. He won the Conservative leadership contest by sounding like a populist, promising to, quote, take back Canada. Now he comes across as a, quote, red Tory, fiscally prudent but liberal on social issues and supportive of the welfare state. The Conservatives must win back trust on such issues as climate change and reconciliation with Indigenous Canadians. He admits that this includes making amends for abuse of Indigenous children in residential schools after thousands of unmarked graves dating from the last century were discovered over the summer. Mr. O'Toole's government would boost tax credits for people on low wages and has countered Mr. Trudeau's plan to cut the cost of childcare with a cheaper proposal. It would wind down pandemic spending and gradually balance the budget. On the campaign trail, Mr. Trudeau bashes him for failing to endorse vaccine mandates. The Libertarian People's Party is cutting into the Conservatives' support. Mr O'Toole has put up a better fight than most analysts had expected. At one point, the Conservatives had a clear lead. But the latest polls suggest that the Liberals will win more seats, though not a majority. The poster boy might keep top billing. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Samuel Johnson, who was born on this day In 1709. No man but a blockhead ever wrote except for money. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber,